We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your son. Without him, Lord, we too would have been fearful people now. Panicking. Hopeless. But because of your son, we are fearless and full of hope. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. Because it's your spirit that causes us to stand in every hour. We thank you for everything that you have given us. Nothing we give you can compare to what you give us. You have given us and you give us every day. And all that we give you is what you have given us. In us, we have nothing. So I pray, Father, today our true offering will be the offering of our life. We come and offer you our entire life, Lord. And say, Lord Jesus, take control and accept this offering that our lives are yours now and forever. And ask your Spirit, come Holy Spirit and fill us Fill us, Lord. Deepen us. Remove everything in us that is unpleasant in your eyes. Unpalatable to you. Show it and take it out, O Lord. And fill us with yourself. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I commit this time into thy hands. All your children, everywhere into thy hands. And I pray there is only one speaker. It's you. That you will speak to us. You will fill us with your word, with your spirit. You will protect us. You will fill us. You will keep us. You will strengthen us. You will empower us. And that what is written in your word will be true for everyone us. That truly you have given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And we will stand strong. The strength of the Lord. So give us hearing ears this morning, Lord, to hear your voice. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So May 31st, Holy Spirit Sunday, as they call it. Every Sunday, every day is the day of the Holy Spirit. But today, because the church has designated this day as the Holy Spirit Sunday, and we've been looking at the Holy Spirit as person, as symbols, and as power. And I said, the controversy in the world is with Christ Jesus, and the controversy in the church is with the Holy Spirit. And I pray of all Sundays, this Sunday, the church will realize, without the Holy Spirit, I really can do nothing. That all the weaknesses I see in my life is because I disregarded the Holy Spirit as a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is just not a symbol. Because those symbols are used, and it can be very confusing. He's not just a symbol. It is a person. And our controversy is with a person. We need to make peace with the person. So Acts chapter 1, 8, Jesus talks about that person. When the Holy Spirit comes, 
And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He says, when he comes upon you, you will know it. First he breathes upon them, so that he is in them. Now he says, you will know when he comes upon you. He's in you, he will come upon you, and he will fill you, he will be baptized. Baptized means immersed. It is immersed. It is not like immersing a stone in water. It's actually like immersing a sponge in water. The difference, you can, a stone can go out in and come out. <laughs> That's what Sadhu Sundar Singh said in the first Maravan convention he preached in Kerala. Maravan convention is a convention in Kerala which has been going on for over a hundred years. And it's a very famous convention, like tens and thousands come every year it is there. And Sadhu Sundar Singh preached in the convention in Kerala. And Kerala is where the oldest church in India is, the Syrian church, because Apostle Thomas came. And when he preached there, if my memory is right, one of the words he said is that, you Malayalis, my people, my old people, he says, you are like the stone in water. You're wet outside, you're dry inside. He said, the gospel came to you 2,000 years ago. The gospel has not entered your hearts. Now, our controversy is always with the Holy Spirit. So before the Holy Spirit could come upon them, he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. Okay? Into them. Because you know in the old covenant there were people who were anointed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was not in them. And you know how they were destroyed. And God says, I don't want them in the new covenant. <laughs> I'm going to put the Holy Spirit upon you first. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you first. So first he breathed upon them. And then he told them to wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And it is the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so please get it right. We are not talking about gifts here. <laughs> gifts here. Because if you look at US now, none of the gifts are going to work. It's the person of Holy Spirit who can calm you. All your gifts is not really, really going to make much of a difference. What you need is the actual person of the Holy Spirit with you. And that's what was happening with Paul when none of the gifts were working because he's chained and he's in prison. What is working is the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, he's right with me, beside me, strengthening me. And I have no rancor in my heart against all the people who have abandoned me. Okay, you need to know, seasons will come when everything will cease. But one thing that should not cease in our life is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is why Corinthians 13, 13 will say, there are three things. Now abide, when everything goes, now abide faith, hope, love. These three, everything will go. There is a season in all our lives, everything. You know, we saw the pictures of the eulogy of Revizak. We saw some of the pictures where his last moments in the bed. Everything, everything was over. His gift was gone. He's not going to preach to anybody anymore. Tens and thousands won't be fascinated, overwhelmed by his incredible oratory, how to put the gospel in such beautiful, simple, but profound words. All that was gone. That if you look clearly, there was three things that was abiding with him. It was faith, and it was hope, and it was love. These three things abide. The greatest of this is, is love. The greatest of this is love. Oh God. So what's that? It picks up. 
Bitte. Okay. <laughs> By the way, Pastor Bitte is a very uh, vocal person in his worship, in his uh, expressions. It's good to be that way too. Only thing I told him, I can never take you to an underground church. <laughs> I told him, it is not possible to take you to an underground church because everybody will know where the church is. Okay? So there it is. And this is what we need to ask Lord. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Like Paul said, I no longer live. I no longer live. Christ lives with me. The life I live, I live by faith. My entire life has been taken over by faith. I no longer live by sight. I live by faith. And when I look into tomorrow, I am overwhelmed by hope because what I see is the hope of glory because I see Christ living in me. And then, when I look into my heart, consumed with the love of God. So Romans 5 verses 1 to 5 will put the most beautiful five verses talking about the entire life of a believer. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that all of you who are hearing today, you have peace with God. Because you have peace with God, then he gives you the second thing, that is the supernatural thing, the peace of God, which will guard your hearts through everything that the world is going through. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So you have faith and you have hope. And verse 3, not only that, we also glory in tribulations. When you have faith and hope, you glory in all the things that are happening. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. You need persevering faith, enduring faith, perseverance, character and character Again, breathes a hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. That hope, now hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So you have faith, hope, and love all through the Holy Spirit. And there is not room for disappointment. Only thing that will be left is grief over the ones we love who are not saved. And who may not be saved when the end comes. Everything else is overwhelmed by the love of God. That's why Jesus is called a man who was anointed with the oil of gladness. That is from the Holy Spirit. And also a man of sorrows because he also knows so many will not make it. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts. This is what makes all the difference. This is what always makes the difference. So never look at your gifts. Look at your heart. How do you love God? How do you love man? So the question is, why did Jesus go to the cross? Because of the love of God that constrained his heart. It was the love of God. Why were all the apostles, all through their life, laying down their lives and literally laid down their lives because of the love of God and the love of man? You know, there's no answer to all that is happening around the world <laughs> other than the gospel. There's no answer. The gospel is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And what is that motivates everything that God does and did? It's love. That's the power. The answer to the hatred of the devil is the love of God, not the love of man. 
This is a sloppy love of God. That love of man does not work. Because the love of man can turn into hatred. We have saw that last week. The love of man can, eros can turn to bitterness and hatred, vengeance, philia. Parental love and the love between children and parents can turn to such nasty, vindictive, vicious. We saw that between Absalom and David. Okay, That's what Jesus says. Even if the mother who didn't abandon her suckling baby, and even she does, and they have done it, he says, I will not. <laughs> we have seen failure, out of which we have the church called Philadelphia. And we have the city of Philadelphia burning now because there's no brotherly love there. One of the places where the riots are taking place is Philadelphia. Okay, so all these things will fail. Don't worry about it. All these things will fail. Only one thing will not fail is the love of God. And so always check our hearts, constantly check our hearts. Lord, I just really, really want to know as I see each day in my heart, is it my love or is it your love? Because I know my love will fail. I know my love will fail. My love will fail. I know there's only one love that never fails, and that is your love in me. I am not satisfied with my love. I am satisfied only with your love, Lord. So take that, my love, off and fill my heart with your love. That's the only new commandment given. Only one new commandment given in the entire new commandment. He calls it new. It's not there in the old covenant. It's not possible for man to love that way in the new covenant, in the old covenant, because the Spirit of God was never given that way. And it was only given after Judas had left. You need to know that. John 13, 31, Judas leaves. John 13, 34, Jesus says this. First, next two verses, Father, I thank you, I am glorified. Hatred has left. Poison has left. The power of Satan has left my company. He was the last one. He's gone. Now I can tell them. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And you will see in so many places in the US now. There is this happening. And there is no division of race in those places. You have the blacks and the whites sitting together in prayer. No color. No background. Doesn't matter who you are or who you wear. It's no difference at all. You're sitting together even now because you know what? Only the love of God can do that. And that's what God is talking about. This is the love of God. This is not the love of man. When he tells you to do something, anything God tells us to do, he will never tell us to do it in our own strength because then it becomes flesh. When he tells us to do something, he will always say, do it in my strength. That's what Paul will say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is given. So when you hear a commandment, don't run excitedly. Wait and ask Spirit of God, please help me to do it. Your strength, your way. And that's the love that causes us to love one another. And it is a love that causes us to (coughs) obey God. Because the love of God is both ways. It's vertical 
and it is horizontal. It causes us to obey God and it causes us to love one another with the love of God. John 14 and verse 21. See, all this he says only after Judas has left. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He says, you see, what is it that when your hearts have been taken over by by my love, you will search out my commandments. And I know our children were very, very small. They loved doing little things for us. And I, oh, that's enough. No, is there something more I can do for you? <laughs> Not that their help was great, but they were just, I mean, they were so innocent. And in their innocence, you see the purity of their love. Wanted to do something. Wanted to do something. I mean, he who has, has my commandments. How do you have his commandments? Because you search it out because of your love to please him. You just want to please him. Lord, this much I kept. Anything more? Anything more that can make you even more happy? He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And 1 John 3.16 By this we know love. This is how we know love. You can know it because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We like John 3.16. We run from 1 John 3.16. Though editing and numbers were given later, even there the Holy Spirit put these two together and gave the same number, 3.16 and 1.3.16. Well, he lied, hallelujah Lord, thank you that you laid. He says, thank you. I appreciate your song also, give thanks. Now, can I tell you something? Yes, Lord. What about you laying down your life for your brethren? That is how we know love. That's how Christ and Christ in us reverses the curse of Cain. The curse of Cain is, am I my brother's keeper? Christ reverses it in all his children and we say, we are our brother's keeper. So we cannot escape the words of the Lord. Please remember, you cannot escape this. We can major in all the minors and miss out the big thing. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and then we come back to verse 8 in it. Chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Oof. That itself is a verse that will give us nightmares. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For love is of God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is his love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in 
us. What do we do? In verse 8 says, God is love. Not love is God. That's the world. The world worships love. We worship God. The intellectual community worships truth. But truth is not God. God is truth. Every devout Hindu gets up in the morning and worships light. But light is not God. God is light. Always understand the difference. Because God is love, that does not mean love is God. Love is God. No. God is love. And this is a topic every preacher hesitates to preach. Every preacher. For the greatest in time to everybody because nobody feels worthy to preach something that is so overwhelming. That is the love of God. But I think it is A.W. Chorzer is the one who said, teach a child to aim for the stars. So at least he may reach the hope to reach the treetops. Now he was using that in a different illustration so that if we Try to teach the love of God. Maybe the preacher can reach the three tops in trying to explain something is so profound. Who can, who is sufficient unto this thing of preaching the love of God other than Christ? Because the love of God is a love that goes beyond human reasoning. And you will see it right in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, reflected in the cry of the father through the son for his lost children, Adam, Adam, where are you? That's the father crying out through the son. My son, my son, where are you? To the cross. All the way you hear the cry, father forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Through it all, you see the love of God. And after that, God raises up an army of his children, 2,000 years, empowers them with the Holy Spirit, fills them with his love, and they've gone out to the ends of the world, declaring there is a God who loves the world. And he sent his only son to die. And we are here, witnesses of that love. So in the pages of this, this Bible, we see an incredibly holy God Pursuing, relentlessly pursuing a fallen, unholy people. If you ask you the answer, why? The answer is simply because he loves us. That's why God's love is so different. Why does, uh, why does in Eros a man pursue a woman or a woman pursue because he or she sees something in him or her that attracts him. Why does a mother or a father love his own children? Because this is mine. I birthed it. Why do brothers love each other? Because we are siblings. Why does love God love us? Who are his enemies? Who joined it with his enemies? Who are evil? Wicked, shaped in sin, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, unholy, filthy. Why does he love us and pursue us like this? Day in and day out, like the great poet wrote, the hound of heaven, pursuing man. 
Answer is simply he loves us. Who, who can explain what that love is until we experience that love in our own lives? Even angels wonder. If you turn to Psalm 8 and verses 3 to 6, this is wonder in angels. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordered, we can't see it like they can. We, I mean, SpaceX went yesterday. You can only watch it for 13 minutes. After that, it's gone. Then you have to watch it on the NASA computers. <laughs> to us, you know, with two, after 2011, nine years later, in the middle of these rites, the other thing is also going on. People, two men have gone to outer space from US. But how much can we see? The angels can. And they say, we look at it, and this is a prophetic, this thing the psalmist is saying. He says, when I look at all this, what is that man you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him? The angels see the Holy Spirit is visiting man every moment. Every moment. That's why God says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. He says, we don't understand. Why do you love these people so much? Son of man that you visit him. We look at them. So they're such puny, filthy beings. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. We see that they're lower than us. You have crowned him with glory and honor. We also see his ultimate destiny. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You didn't die for us. You're dying now. Psalm 84, which was prophetic that time, they understand it fully. What God was doing through Christ Jesus was redeeming man through Christ. And one day he will have dominion over all the works of God. And he will even rule over the angels. They're scratching their heads. What is this? Who can explain this? It's the love of God. This is the wonder of heaven. Wonder of heaven. And this is what brings out all the hatred of the devil. The spite that he has against mankind. And mankind does not realize the devil hates mankind with a perfect hatred because he knows how much God loves us. The reason is, unless we try to understand at least a little God's love for us, we will misunderstand our human, failing, fallible love for God's love. It is nowhere comparable to God's love. So tonight, sorry, today this morning, night in one part of the world, other parts of the world, early morning, midday, late night, afternoon. We look at the most unbelievable picture of God's love for man seen in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Most unbelievable. You see, God had his prophets from the time of Abel onwards. And to many of them, he told different things to do. And all of them had to do it by faith. Crazy stuff. Sometimes he asked them to do, like Noah asked to build a boat in the middle of nowhere. Abraham asked to leave everything. Isaac, not to move out of the promised land when it was all dry and looked like a wilderness. Okay. All the crazy stuff you to ask Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all these people to do. 
everything was done to tell the people of Israel and then to us about God. Reflect something about God, the nature of God. But the most unbelievable picture, the signpost of God's, what I would like to say, crazy love for us. <laughs> and the most embarrassing, humiliating command ever given to a prophet was given to a prophet called Jose. Jose, yeah, we say in Telugu. In English, we say Jose. J-O-S-E is Jose in English. They don't say Jose. In Malayalam, we say Jose. Mone, Jose. <laughs> but in English, it is Jose. Jose, okay? I think it's Jose, yeah. Jose. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. He's a prophet who's there during four kings of Judah. The word of the Lord that came to Jose, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, good king, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, two good kings, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Okay? The Lord began to speak by Jose and said to Jose, go take yourself a wife of... Can we go to NIV? Because I have some, a lot of new believers who find sometimes the language a little tough. Let's go to NIV. Yeah. The Lord began to speak through Jose. The Lord said to him, go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the wildest adultery in departing from the Lord. This is a prophet, holy prophet, a man who is scrupulously keeping the law and keeping himself separated to hear the voice of the Lord, keeping his life clean, everything holy. And one of the first things he hears through that clean ears is, you know, I want you to take, go and take a hooker for a wife. All these Old Testament prophets, what they had to go through for our sakes. Because these are all warnings and lessons and teachings to us upon whom the end of days have come. They had to go through this for our sake. I don't think even Israel understood what they were going. Israel did not understand what he was going through. But we understand. Because Israel had no clue about Jesus Christ. So all these things that happened to them, they had no clue. Only when Christ comes in, we understand this crazy love of God for an incredibly unfaithful people. And this is what he was told. Go. Take yourself. So, modern days, imagery, he had to go to the red light area of the city and has to pick a wife. Verse 3. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. The prophet humbles himself and obeys. I believe for a season things looked, it was fine. I don't think it looked fine either. The poor man, I don't know what he went through, the hurt, the pain, and the humiliation. I mean, think about all the others in the prophetic circle. What's wrong with you? Why did you marry this girl? The Lord told me, you must be kidding me. The holy God of Israel telling you to marry a hooker. There are a lot of things that are hidden in this story, but this is presumption and I believe this is I believe I could be right. I believe throughout 
the year she stayed with him, she was unfaithful to him. That he was, and she gave him three children, two sons and a daughter. And this man went through pain and sorrow because I believe he did not even know whose children they were. Why? Read verse 2 again. Go take yourself an adulterous wife and children of, children, a result of your wife's unfaithfulness. No DNA testing. It's your child. Take it as your child. Love them as your child. Love her. Two sons and a daughter. He did not even have the right to name the children. God chose the names. Because even the names were supposed to be a message to Israel, primarily to us. You see, Gomer was only used to short-term relationships, what we say in English, one-night stands. Her relationships had no intimacy, no depth, no meaning. She was used, and she was used to being used, and she also used her customers because she made money. She was not used to boundaries, commitments, or being accountable to anybody other than maybe her pimp. She thought she was free, even though she was a slave. So Jose comes in, marries her, provides her safety, Stability and unflinching loyalty and commitment. One side you have a prophet, unflinching commitment and loyalty. And here is a girl, absolutely unfaithful. And Gomer is unfaithful. But he stays. And he stays steady. I'm telling you, it was painful and demeaning. Why would she go after other lovers? Imagine you're a prophet and you have in the prophetic circle, you have lots of friends. They said, hey, Jose, is that true? What? We heard Gomer was with this guy last week. The next week, hey, Jose, is that true? What is that? You heard Gomer was with this guy last week? Jose says, I don't believe. I don't believe. I will choose to trust her. The children. Name the first one, Jezreel. Jezreel, you have to go study in Israel's history. It is asking a Jew to name your son. What's the name of that uh, camp? Auschwitz? Yeah. Name your son Auschwitz. Imagine a Jew naming his son Auschwitz. It's like asking a prophet to name your son Jezreel. Jezreel is Israel. History towards God is not good at all. Name your son Jezreel. Okay, Lord, I was hoping it could be Abraham or Isaac. Or Israel or Joshua. No, your son's name will be Jezreel. Okay, Lord. Jezreel. Shock. What's your son's name, Jose? 
Jezreel, what? Out of your mind? Jezreel, why? The Lord told me. They're saying, this prophet has gone cuckoo. First he goes marries a hooker. But he named his son Jezreel. What's wrong with this guy? Then verse 6 says he has a son. Daughter, uh, he has a girl. Goma conceived again, gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord says to Jose, call her Lo Ruhama. For I will no longer love, show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. What is your daughter? What did you name your daughter? Oh, I named her. No love. Do you love your daughter, Jose? I do. What's her name? No love. What a terrible thing for a father, no? No love. I love you so much. No love. I love you so much. What's your name of your daughter once again? No love. No sympathy. No pity. And then he has one more. That is verse 8 and 9. After she had weaned Lo Ruhama, Gomer had another son. The Lord said, call him Lo Ami, for you are not my people and I am not your God. What's his son's name? Not my own. Oh, imagine the humiliation. Hi, Jose, you had a third child? Congratulations, what did you name him? Not my own. Oh yeah, of course your wife is a prostitute, right? It can't be your own. Poor man. No? Everybody wants to be a prophet these days. <laughs> apostle these days. Remember what Paul says about apostles? He says, we are the filth of this world. This man was called to bear the shame and the pain and the indignity of God on earth because of the unfaithfulness of his people. But spiritually, look at the other side of it. Who is Jose? Jose is the entire inhuman, finite understanding. is the entire reflection of God's pain and God's shame over his people. That is the bride of his son being unfaithful to him. He carries the shame. Hey, Jose. How can you love a woman like this? Isn't she a prostitute and you a prophet? Answer, Jose will say, how can a holy God love a people like us? How can a holy God love a people like us? Aren't we also hookers? All of us still hooked to the world. In the midst of the riots, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the famine, we are still hoping it will all become normal and we can go and have our fling with the world again. Aren't we hookers? Aren't all our dreams still connected with this world? That's the question. Why does Gomer go out? Maybe she had a pimp. In the evening, 
He whistles. She's out and she goes. Why does she do this? Jose 2.5 For the mother had played the harlot who conceived them had behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Do you see what she said? She says, I will go. They're my customers, but they're my lovers. And they will pay me well. And I can live in comfort. They give me my food, my water, my wool, my linen, my oil, and my drink, my luxuries. Everything comes from them. This can this man cannot afford what I want. These men will give me the money to buy what I like. That's how we prostituted ourselves to the world. Because we love things. We love things. That's why God says, do not love this world or the love the things of this world. Because ultimately we will prostitute ourselves to this world. But what is the truth? The devil hides from us. Verse 8. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold, which they use for bath. Do you know what it means? Did I bring any money with me? Yes. Do I have any money with me? I thought I had. Okay. Here I have. This is the currency note of India. Let me read it out for you. What it actually is. It says this is not money. This is what is called a promissory note. You know what is written and signed by the governor of the Reserve Bank? I promise to pay the bearer the sum of 500 rupees. Meaning this is only a promissory note. Meaning, technically, it doesn't happen. If I give it to him, he should give me 500 rupees worth of silver or gold. That is what it means. This is just a promissory note. This is not money. This has no value other than the fact it has been promised by the Reserve Bank Governor. That is what it called. This is the promissory note, meaning I owe you 500 rupees worth of gold. Who gave you the silver and the gold? You know what God says? The silver and gold are mine. The devil owns nothing. Absolutely nothing the devil owns. The earth is God's, the silver is God's, the gold is God's, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. And we prostitute ourselves to the pimp called Satan and we think he feeds us. God says, it's all mine. And you took my gold, you took my silver and you lavished it on whom? On Baal. On Baal. That's what you did. And yet I loved you. And I loved you. I loved you. We don't understand. The silver and gold, everything in the earth is his. The world if system has been created by the devil. The devil owns nothing. He has nothing of his own. He has created nothing. He cannot create anything. He has created a system. But everything that has been used to create that system belongs to God. The sand is God's. The cement is God's. The bricks are God's. The people are God's. The wood is God's. The nails are God's. Everything is God's. 
And he uses something that belongs to God and deceives and dupes us to believe it is his and causes us to take the things of God and lavish it on him and serve him. God says, do you understand how he has duped you and fooled you? I like Sonam Vangchuk, right? Isn't that Sonam Vangchuk who put it on Twitter? Sonam Vangchuk or Sonam Vangchuk, right? I say it's one week for software, one year for hardware. That's how you give back to China. And I agree with him 100%. One week software, one year. Buy nothing made in China. Why do you have to buy the stuff made in China and then you send the money to them and they send the soldiers to our borders to harass us? Tighten your belts and say nothing of China in this country. Think about it. Think about it. We pay them to harass them. Us. And isn't that what we do always? We pay the devil to, and he harasses us. And God says, you took my money. You took my life. You took my blessings. You took everything. He can't even make one rain fall. Because the rain is also mine. He can manipulate all these things. But he cannot create anything. Everything that you have. Your life. Your breath. The air. The food. Everything that you have is mine. You take it and you serve him. You serve him. I also believe as an Indian. <laughs> you should stop buying everything that is Chinese. Cheap. It's cheap for us. It's not even cheap for the Chinese. Because what they have is millions of slaves. Bonded slaves. Pity the Chinese. They don't even know what freedom is. That's what God is talking about. And you know what the whole mess that is happening around the world that you are seeing? In the last two years, three years, and it's coming to a crescendo. Because one man who was elected who said the real enemy is China. We need to stand up to them. And that's what's happening around the world. He knew who is. It's not Russia. Russia can't do nothing. How many people does Russia have? 150 million people. Half the size of America. If you want to look into Revelation 9, 18 and 19, the 200 million army that can march. Because you can win a battle. You can win a war. Because you have hold a country. You need men. And there's only one nation on earth which has men. Zombies like that. That is China. And he knew that's the enemy. And they are doing everything to destroy the world so that they can take over the world. And you know what? What unites China and Europe and half of America, the ideology is the same. It is socialism. It is anarchy. What you see on the streets of America are the same mindset of the American Chinese Communist Party. Same ideology. If the Chinese take over America, half of America will join with them. And kill their own people. Because that is the nature of that ideology. Everywhere that ideology has gone, they have killed their opposition. Massacred them. From Russia to Eastern Europe to Pol Pot to Khmer Rouge to North Korea to China. Everywhere. If you look at the number of people that, I, that ideology has killed, it will run into billions. And if you think China's death toll of epidemic is only 4,000, 5,000, you are kidding. I believe it's more than 25 to 30 million have died. And they just made their bodies disappear. 
We do not realize what we are fighting. We are fighting the most, what, uh, hateful yet powerful ideology mankind has ever seen. Has ever seen. And we are standing and staring that at our face. Though I do not agree with the policies of this government and certain policies of the government I realize because there are anarchists all over this country too. And our universities churn them out. I don't believe in their ideology. I don't believe in the other right-wing ideology also. I believe in one ideology which is called doctrine of Christ. which is entirely based on love where you die for your brethren. You don't kill him. You don't kill him. So that's what happens. That's what happened. That's what happened to Israel. And he's talking to Israel. You look at Hosea chapter 7, verse 11 and 12, 1. He's using a prophet and his marriage. Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless. Budduevo. Beokuf. Calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. And I am his God. Bevkuf. And Joe Biden has to stand there and say, China is no threat at all. What is he talking about? Of course, he's not. You made one billion out of China, right? Through your son. So how can you speak against China? You have to look at what is happening. It's all planned. The entire Russian hawks collapsed. Impeachment collapsed. The pandemic also was collapsing. Red states were all opening up. And then one incident took place which was violent. Should have never happened. We do not condone any kind of violence. But before you knew, stuff is taking place all over this country. They are planning it out. You need to realize, it is if that country collapses, the globe collapses. I'm telling you. There is nobody left to hold back the forces of anarchy. That is the history of United States of America. United States of America is the only nation on planet Earth whose sons have died for the freedom of others. America was never bothered by the World War I or II. They were an ocean apart from every conflict. But they gave their son in their hundreds and thousands to win this First World War, the Second World War, in Korea, in Vietnam. They stopped the red tide. And it didn't bother them. They did it for us. For the rest of the world is free because of them. If that nation goes down, welcome. Antichrist is knocking at the door. That's what he's saying. Ephraim is a doubt. Easily deceived and senseless. Now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. You don't come to me. You always run to the world for help. Always your solution is in the world, not with God, not with Christ. When we run into a situation, what is our solution? Where is our solution? Look at 12.1. Again he says, Ephraim feeds on the wind. He pursues the east wind all day. He feeds on the wind. Kya khaya? Hava khaya. Or what hava? East wind. East wind is always the wind of judgment. And ultimately the judgment upon the world will come from the east. That's the 200 million army that will come from the east. The zombies from China, North Korea, they will come. By then let's hope we are gone. 
pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes, he makes a treaty with Assyria and sends olive oil to Egypt. That's a foolish fellow, Ephraim. He's the eldest or the second one? He's the second one. This is the one God prophetically put ahead of the elder one. And look at what has happened to Ephraim. This is not Manasseh, this is Ephraim, the one who was prophetically put forward. And he says, that fellow has become dumb. Look at what he's doing. That's what God is talking about. I can prophetically speak things over you. I can put you over above everybody else. But you know, you are senseless. You still love the world. You still will go back to the world. I have done everything that I can do. Jacob had 12 sons. And I exalted one, the 11th one, and gave him the right of the firstborn. And he had two sons. I took the younger one and made him the elder one. What more can I do for you? You still run after the wind. You see the shades of Ephraim in all of us? Shades of Gomer in all of us? Gomer is us. In you and me, we see Gomer. Gomer is controlled by the pimp, and the pimp is Satan. When the pimp calls, she gets up and she sneaks. And she loves the world. She likes the world. That's what we do to God. We allow Satan to pimp us. We say we love God. We say we will be faithful to him. But like the Pied Piper of Hamlet, Satan comes and Sitivajate happy and we all remember the pipe piper of Hamlin, you know that story? How we took all the children out? All and they disappeared. Do you realize? Do you know even then they knew what mind blinding was? That you can control entire humanity by controlling their minds by things that is outside of them. In this case it is a flute. But the things were already in motion. To control the minds of people. And it's each day. It's heartbreaking for Jose. Heartbreaking for Jose. And then one day he wakes up. She's gone. I don't know where she took the children. Or she's just gone. Never comes back. If we were in Jose's place. Natural, human, you'll say, okay, thank you, Lord. At least she's gone. <laughs> she's gone. At least I will have some peace now. Maybe I will take care of these children, live a quiet, secluded, retired life. Take care of these children. I'll have some peace in my life. All the days of my life with her, all she gave me was sorrow, grief, and tears. We talk about Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel had to grieve over his wife only once. She died once. Jose had to die every day. These griefs are different. Ezekiel lost a faithful wife whom he loved. Died one day, God. And God said, don't grieve. To Jose, it's the other thing. Grieve every day. I'll give you a wife will never be faithful to you.
Romans 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4 NIV. Let's stick to NIV today because it's easier for people to understand. I'll mark this. There will be terrible times in these last days, in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. And go further. Without love. Not lovers of good. And verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Three things. They're lovers of self, that's Gomer. Lover of money and lover of pleasure. Why does she go? Because she loves herself. Are you satisfied with what Jose gives? No. Silly fellow in the ministry, bring some offerings. What can I do with that? It's not even enough to buy my perfume. But isn't that enough for food? What food? You have no clue what I used to eat earlier. I used to buy the dainties that was there in the market. But how did you get that money? Uh, don't me ask me that question. After all, what matters is the money. It's not how you make it. See, when you love yourself and you love pleasure, then you are a lover of money. That's Gomer. And God says in the last days that will happen. All these warnings are to the church. People will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, and lovers of money. And pretend they are lovers of God. The problem is, this is us. God still loves us. God still loves us. That's why I said this is the craziest love in the universe. And angels scratch their head every day. They scratch their head every day. Imagine Peter, little Peter has a bakra, okay? Peter, shopping mall has opened. And Peter is gone. Oh, morning till evening, Peter went shopping. And he bought all the stuff and came. Poor fellow doesn't even go, okay? I'm just talking as example, okay? He goes, okay? And he comes back. And he's so tired. His legs are hurting. And he says, Lord, I'm so tired, Lord. My legs are all hurting. He doesn't tell the Lord I went pimping. Into the world. I'm so tired, oh Lord. Okay? Now I lay down myself to rest, Lord. Bless my sleep and he goes to sleep. What does God tell? You angel, come here. Go press his legs. He wakes up in the morning, he's feeling good. He doesn't realize. He went pimping in the world and God told the angels, go press his legs. You know why? Because he still loves us. That's how you have to read it. The angels scratch their head. You mean I have to minister to these people? God says yes. Why? Because I love them. Period. But why do you love them? You will not understand that. You are still an angel. You will never understand. Angels don't figure it. Aren't angels sent to those, to minister to those who are being saved? And you know what all stuff we do when we are being saved? And still he sends angelic hosts to minister to us. Do we understand this love of God? Understand this love of God. So here is poor Jose thinking, finally I got a break. Let me please. I don't want to prophesy also too much, Lord. I'm tired. (laughs) 
it's terrible lord i have to go in the streets and prophesy and teach and speak and all of them are giggling yeah and laughing and have to stand there in the dust says the lord yes yeah, yeah yeah we know who is at home with you we know where she was yesterday we know where she was last night you know poor man he says at least at least now i can be at peace then comes the next command hose 31 The Lord said to him, "Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another innocent adulteress." Lord, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm sure it was a nightmare. This can't be true. This can't be true. God said, "Go show your love to your wife again." show what your love not with a grim face not with a angry face show your love to your wife again though she is loved by another and is an adulteress and lord yes anything more yes you have to love her the way i love israel love her as the lord loves israelites though they turn to other gods and love the sacred race and kings You know what God says? They run after every other god. They love all that offerings of those gods, but I love them. So, you are my symbol on earth. Go, love her. Where can we understand a god like this? You're thinking about it. Where will we find a god like this? The problem is, if you read closely, a pimp has sold her. the guy who supposedly loved her hapimp has sold her she is no longer a sex worker she is a sex slave now she is on the auction block anybody can buy her and keep her as his slave to do the chores at home and to comfort at night sex slaves that's a problem that's worth too she's on the auction block i bought her i bought her think about it think about this poor prophet where is he going now he's not even going to the red light area he's going to the redder reddest part of the red light area where the prostitutes who could not pay their debts had sold themselves who are standing there on the auction block these are not just slaves on the auction block these are prostitutes on the auction block they can be bought by pimps or brothels and she's on the auction block and all the guys who are over there were looking at her brothel owners i believe ha huh. i don't know whether he can even actually really recognize her because she must have changed you know what happens when a woman lives a life of sin like that they change they change they don't look like they looked early okay. auction block and they're bidding for her in the middle of all those people five shekels six seven eight 
10, 15, they're looking. Who's this guy? Prophet is bidding for a prostitute. What's wrong with him? They probably do not know that's his wife. Last price, 15. Anybody? No. The seller says 15 is not enough. How much more do you have? I don't have anything more than 50. Okay. What else do you have? I have some barley. Okay. A homer and a lithic of barley. Run out of money. Now he's going back to the provision in the house. Counted out all his money. The barley. And then he said, can take her. Strange picture. Coming out of the red light area. Prophet and prostitute. Hand in hand. Do you know that's exactly how God saved us? Exactly how God saved us. And took us out of the grip of Satan. It was the son of God and the prostitute. Walking hand in hand. Out of this red light zone called the world. That's why we say, who can understand the nature of God's love? Angels don't understand. And devil and the angels fell, created a hell for them. When man fell, he's creating a heaven for them. They scratched their head. Lord, what are you doing? You know, for that set of people, I'm making everything new. Isn't that people do when they are getting married? They rent a new apartment and they paint everything and they shop for new things. And when the baby is coming, it's either, no scanning, no here. But if you have scanning, it's either blue or pink and everything. We saw our hours, no? Ralph and Avas, no? When the, the nations, you can, everything is new. Because something new is happening in your life. Something new is coming. You know what? God is so excited about his son's bride. He said, I'm going to change everything and make a new creation. Everything shall be new. A new heaven, a new earth, a new city. Why? Because I'm getting his bride home. I don't know why people don't get excited about the gospel. <laughs> The devil comes and puts one trinket. Everybody standing in line to buy iPhone 9. Early morning. What time shop open? 9 o'clock in the morning. How long are you waiting? From 5 in the morning. The next Rajini thriller is coming out. How long have you been waiting? I've been waiting for 5 hours. How? To see it for the 40th time. Do you realize? How people are... I'm talking about Christians. I'm not even talking about unbelievers. Leave them alone. Poor things, they do not know how much God loves them. I'm talking about Christians. Do we ever understand the love of God? Romans 5, 6 and 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, right time, at the exact right time, when Gomer was about to go to the brothel order, five shekels, first call, second call, suddenly one voice, six. 
exactly at the right time. He reached there. And he outbid all the others. And he bought Gomer. Exactly at the right time. When we were powerless. Gomer had no power. Because she had sold herself. She had no power to save herself. She's gone. Going into the hands of somebody else. Who would own her for the rest of her life. And use her the whichever way he wanted her. Christ died for the ungodly. Exactly at the right time. Verse 10. For if when we were what? God's enemies. We were not only powerless. We were God's enemies. We were God's enemies. And he reconciled us. Through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's what we've been preaching now. Hey, come on, he died for you. He bought you off the auction block. Now, will you live through him, please? Will you please live through him, please? Will you please live through him? He bought you through his death. Now, will you live through him? Hosea 3. And verse 3. I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will live with you. Just imagine a prophet pleading with a prostitute. He bought off the block. Please. Please. What is he saying? I bought you. I paid for you. From now onwards, you shall be my slave. And you shall do what I tell you to do. No. No. God doesn't do that. He says, you still have your free will. All I ask you is, please live with me. Don't prostitute yourself with the world again. Don't get intimate with the world again. Please, live with me. And I will live with you. What a God, right? This is what the Spirit does. This is what the Spirit does. If you have doubts, James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. If it's finished, if it is not finished, give me a little. 4 and 5. If it's finished, it's okay. Just give me water. You adulterous people, what does he call the church? The first pastor of the church, James. The brother of Jesus Christ, if I'm right, is writing to the church. This is supposed to be the oldest church, the oldest letter in the Bible, the old the new covenant. The first letter written. And what's he calling the church? First century? First century? Apostolic church, what is he telling them? You're going cuckoo again. You've forgotten who saved you. You've forgotten who bought you off the block. You've forgotten it all. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Oh, you don't know, you don't know, Gomer, your husband, Jose, bought you off the block and being friendly with any other man is being unfaithful to him. Hatred towards him. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Do you know what verse 5 says? Or do you think scripture says without reason, the spirit 
the Holy Spirit. He caused to live in us, envies intensely. Envies intensely. Every time you step out into the ways of the world, fascinated by the things of the world, the attitudes of the world, the ideas of the world, the systems which the enemy has created and you wallow in it, the Holy Spirit says, don't forget whose you are. He envies. You belong to my son. You belong to my son. That's why we have to ask the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow a new year is beginning. Twelve years are up. Lord, look in me, Lord. Is the spirit of Gomer in me still? Remove it, Lord. Because your coming is very close. And do you know why believers face the obstructions and the blocks? A lot of believers say, nothing seems to be going right with me. Everything seems to be going right with for Job. Right? And the reason is given in the first two verses. Shall we go to the first two verses of Job? In the land of Uz, there lived a man who was, whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. Everything went right for him. You know what God did? Job 1. Verse 10. 9 and 10. Yeah. Does God fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him? You put a hedge around him. And inside the hedge is doing really, really well. He's doing well. You know why he's doing well? Because he loves you. And because of that, you put a hedge around him. In the hedge, he's protected, he's safe. Everything is going well for him. Gomer, nothing went right for her. You know why? Hosea chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers. So gave me food and my water, my wool, my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. God says, you know, every child of mine who really, really is a child of mine, who wants to go and do well in the world, I will block you. I will block you. I will block you. I will block you. Until you will say, you know what? It was good in the old days. I had my three spoonfuls of kanye and my glass of normal water, but I was at peace because he was with me. He was not a violent husband. He was a kind husband. He was a loving husband. He met all my needs. And he was faithful. He was always there for me. You know what? I'll go back to him. I believe this is the way the prodigal son's father gave his son liberty. Take your money and go. And then he prayed. And said, Lord, 
let this son of mine never prosper in this world with that money. Let him hit the pig pen, block his way, and let him come back. There are two kinds of hedges in the Bible. One is the hedge of protection in which we thrive with God. There is a hedge we pray for God's children that they will never prosper if they go into the world against the will of God. The world will destroy you. It will destroy you. The world and the prince of the world is not somebody who loves you. He is somebody who uses you and dumps you and sells you off to the next bidder. Verse 12. I will ruin her wines and her fig trees, which she said were a pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket and wild animals will devour them. That's what I will do, he says. Put it in whatever context in 21st century. Your business, your ministry, your industry, your shop that was burned yesterday. You want to name it. You can claim it. <laughs> you are a child of God, a true child of God. God says, I will protect you. I will protect you. You are mine. My spirit is going to put hedges all around. That's what God's love does. That's what God's love does. And we don't understand the love of God. Verse 14 and 15. What will I do? Therefore now I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert. A secluded place. A barren place. She's come to that point in her life. And speak tenderly to her. Think about Gomer on the block. Five shekels, she looks. Oh Lord, please not that guy. I have heard about his brothel. They get whipped every day. Lord, not Lord, lad. Seven shekels. Oh Lord, he's worse than that. Eight shekels. Lord, please. Then here's a sound. Ten. That voice is familiar. Is that Jose? My gosh, she won't even look at him. That's my husband. In that wilderness. It's alluring her. Ten shekels. Fifteen shekels. I will lead her into the desert. And I will speak tenderly to her. I'll make her, give her back her vineyards. And I will make the value of a core. What is a core? Sorrow, grief. The way Akhan and his whole family was destroyed. I will make the value of a core a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. I don't know whether Gomer sang, but the church should. That's why Paul and Silas sang in the midnight hour with their backs broken, feet locked up in stocks. They couldn't still stop singing because they knew if he hadn't bought them off the slave block where they would have ended up one day. You world, you can break my back. I will still sing unto the Lord because I know whose I am and I know where I will be. You can only harm my body. 
you cannot touch the real me inside. Verse 16, then what will I call her? In that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. You know who's the master? The law. You know who's the husband? Grace. No longer call me master. You'll call me my husband. And I love for all those who do not understand, I love the Hindi word, the Sanskrit word for husband. It is pati, which means savior. You'll call me husband. And what will he do? Verse 17. I'll remove the names of Baal from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. I'll take all those names out. Channel 5, Spice Girls, you know, all those labels we are so interested in, right? Women or men, all are after labels now, no? If there is no label, it has no meaning. But we don't realize these are all balls which have taken our heart. God says, I'll take all the names off. So many balls we run after. 60 days of lockdown, I have understood, you can't do anything with We had these jokes coming on WhatsApp, right? All the kurtis, all the pattusaris, everything is sitting there. Only the nighty is walking around. <laughs> Garki Maharani, nighty. All sitting there. No wedding, no party, no going out, nothing. What is walking around? Nighty is Maharani. God says, I will take all the names of Baal from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. Verse 19 and 20. I will betroth you to me forever. There one day, two days, so suddenly we realize this is not about Jose and Gomer. This is about the church. I will betroth to you forever. And how I will betroth you? I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love, and in compassion, and I will betroth you in faithfulness. You were unfaithful all your life, but I will bind myself to you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. Awesome, right? Second Timothy 2.13, I'll betroth to you in faithfulness. Oh, Gomer, if we are faithful, faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot. You know why you are being, still being saved? Because the enduring nature of his faithful love. Every day we are unfaithful. If you're not in action, at least in our mind. But he never changes. His love never changes. It is the faithful nature of his love that is saving us. He says, I have betrothed to you in faithfulness. You know what? I am working on you. I will make you righteous. I will make you true. I will bring justice into your life. I will make you loving. And I will make you compassionate. Because I have betrothed to you in faithfulness. Even when you are unfaithful, I am still faithful. Do you realize our salvation is entirely dependent upon God's faithfulness and not our faithfulness? 
Matthew 9. Now let us go somewhere else. Verse 9 to 13. Sudden shift. And Jesus went on from there. And he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. It was a shock. Because the most hated community in Jewish society was the tax collectors. Because they were traitors. They were working for the Romans. They collected the tax from their own people and gave one part to the Romans and the extra they kept for themselves. So they were the most hated. The most hated. It's all what happened in the Second World War in Germany and all in France and all. All the French who flipped over to the German side as soon as freedom came in, they were the ones who were executed first. Because they were called traitors. They flipped over to that side and they executed them. Not the government, the vigilantes executed them. And they hated the tax collector. Nobody in their right mind would ever call a tax collector to be your disciple. You know what? You understand what God is doing? He just walked on and picked a goma and said, follow me. That's a goma, spiritual goma. Sold himself to the Roman Empire. Visibly. Follow me. Scripture says, he followed. He got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, other verses you will see the tax collector's publican's house, Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. They were shocked. Now, Jesus is eating with not one gomer, a bunch of gomers. In their eyes, that's what it is. A bunch of tax collectors and sinners. Everybody is there. Verse 3. Yeah, verse 11. Pharisees saw this and they asked the disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not that lady who is happily married to that man in that palace who needs to be bought. It's a prostitute on the block I sent Jose to buy. She's the one who needs redemption. Not the one she also needs, but she doesn't know. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Go learn. Go learn what this means. He's telling the Pharisees. You know your Bible very well, right? Aren't you good with your word? Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hosea 6.6 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It looks straight at them. You know your, your Torah very well, right? Right? You know your Talmud very. You know your Bible very well, right? Do you know what I made Jose do? Do you know why I made Jose do that? Do you understand your scripture? Do you understand your scripture? Do you know what that prophet had to go through so that I could redeem you and the others? whole purpose the prophet had to go through is that he was living my life so that I could redeem you. 
Oh boy. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am your Jose. You know what Jose means? Salvation. I am your Jose. I am your Jose. Jose means salvation. And he loves everybody. He would have saved the Pharisee too. And one Pharisee got saved in Acts chapter 9. He loves Nicodemus. He loves everybody. Because people do not know everybody has prostituted themselves. The most righteous also has prostituted themselves. So in John chapter 4. Words 4 onwards. Jesus is on the road. Hostility is coming. So he changes direction. Got it? No signal. Okay. Let's go back to the ancient paths. Not the scroll, not that ancient, but the printed. Let me read it for you from NIV itself. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was about the sixth hour. Sixth hour in, in Jewish means midday. It's going to be the sixth hour for us in 15 minutes. It will be the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that asks you for a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Do you know what's happening? The story of Hosea and Gomer being played out over and over and over and in here real life. He goes there. She's a Samaritan. She's very excited. Then Jesus tells her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Which water? Of that well she had come. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he puts it two things. He says, everyone who goes and tries to drink of the world will never be satisfied. It is like Pepsi. The more you drink, the more you want. It never quenches your thirst. So I have never found any reason why people drink that. It never quenches your thirst. Water does. Water does. This this aerated drinks never quench your thirst. You still want more. But you drink water, you're fine. And God says, the world is like that. It does never meant to quench your thirst. That fellow is a seducer. That fellow... Just wants to make addicts out of you. And then feed you. And sell you. And use you. 
is a drug dealer. The devil is a pimp and a drug dealer. He says, on the other hand, the life I give you, you will be satisfied with that life. You will be satisfied. And you know what happens? The woman said to him, sir, give this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. She replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Who are you? Gomer. Who am I? Jose. Six, right? Six customers you had, right? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? He says the seventh one has come. And seven, we know, is the number of God's completion. Seven, perfection, completion. He says the seventh one has come. My name is Jose. We don't have a name for this Samaritan woman. Let us call her Gomer. Hi, Gomer. I am Jose. You're Jose? The seventh one has come? Now I will be Gomer. You know what Gomer means? Gomer means complete. It's Jose who makes Gomer complete. I am your salvation. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how many years you sold yourself to this world and the system and the principles and the things of this world. When you meet me, when I redeem you, when I buy you back from the block, you become complete. You become complete. He is the only one who can make us complete. Now turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and see 18 and 19. See the incredible difference. It's a difference between heaven and earth, between Jose and Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not coming on the system, so let me read it for you. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jose bought Gomer with money and with barley. Christ Jesus bought us with his blood. With his blood. And with his life. Not just with his death. With his life. Because his life had to be without defect. Before he could buy us with his death. Otherwise his blood would not have bought us. So he bought us with his life. And bought us with his death. And he says, I make you complete. That's the same thing. God is telling the Samaritan woman, he's telling all of us. I'm the only one who can make you complete. Come back to me. Let me restore you. This is the love of God. Who can understand this love? 
Right? 1 John 3, 1. I love it. I like my Bible. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. You know, there are certain marriages where the girl gets married to a boy where the father doesn't accept. The father says, no. Manzoor nahi hai. Khandan se bahar. But you know what? Christ Jesus goes and picks up a prostitute. And the father says, she's my child. It's not the son has lavished so much love upon her as his bride. The father too has lavished his love upon us as his children. Behold what manner of love. That's why the spirit of God envies in us so greatly saying, don't you know whose children you are? Don't you know whose bride you are? My son's bride and your father's children. Don't you know whose you are? Behold what manner of love. Oh boy, I love this God. It is this love of God when it is shed abroad in our hearts that gives us that incredible hope Paul is talking about. Where can you flee from this love? Where can you? Romans 5, 5. Where can you? It is that hope, that love, that hope does not disappoint us. How can it disappoint us? I know that. My God loves me. Imagine, read Fox's book on the martyrs. How those people, everything. Lighted up, fire is already there going to their death. Singing. Hallelujah. Going home. Right into the flames they walk and they go home. Not afraid. Why? What is in them? It is the love of God. I'm going home. I will not recant him. I will never be sold on the block again. I have he made a vow. I have made a vow. I will remain faithful to him unto death. For they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. And that's how they all went. You're not afraid. You're afraid of pain. You're afraid of death. These are two different things. And I know one thing in life. Everybody has a particular tolerance for pain. After that, you conk off. I also conked off once when I broke my bone. And I easily went off. <laughs> so I know all this pain is all a jugad. After some time, you, you conk off. So we are afraid of pain, but we are not afraid of death. We are not afraid of death. It is not the same thing. Romans 8, 35 to 39 as we close. Oh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now you read those verses completely with different different eyes, different mind, different heart. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Or sword? No. Continue. As it is written, for your sake we'll face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. The enemy hates us. The world system hates us. They want to finish us off because you know what? They know you love us and they know we love you. They want to finish every day. It's like this could be my last day. Knowing all these things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who 
Why are we more than conquerors? You know why? Because love never fails. It cannot fail. That's the reason. There's only two things that don't fail. God doesn't fail. God's love never fails. So how can you be defeated? That love can never be defeated. If that love is the one that takes sort of a heart, we can never be defeated. Love never fails. In all this, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And further, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You can't add, add anything to that. <laughs> you can't add anything to that. You cannot add anything to that. That's why the Holy Spirit says the greatest of this. Three things abide. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of it is love. And that is the actual true sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is should be our cry, Lord. So many things you did in our lives, so many ways you touched the lives of people, oh Lord. But Father, tomorrow, the 13th year, 12 years are over today, Lord. 13th year is starting tomorrow. And today is officially Pentecost Sunday, Lord. Our prayer is, Lord, baptize you with your love. We love you with all our heart, all our might, all our strength, and we love our brethren because the day and the hour is coming when it is going to be like what you are seeing on the streets of U.S. everywhere, where you will have to live in small communities where one will be a Telugu brother, another will be a Tamil sister, one will be from a Telugu church, but God says, cover yourself. This is your family. Stay together, live together, if need, die together. That's the history of our church. The Middle East and all these places. They did not know each other until they came to the Lord. They lived together. They died together. And some of the underground churches in Europe, I know the people who lived together were people from the top bracket and the people off the streets. They were together as one family. They said, they wrote to me, Pastor, there is no divisions here. We are one in Christ. We love one another. We share what we have. But we know the end is here. Once we are caught, we are done. Because these are people who come from different communities to the Lord or from the Freemasonic Lords to the Lord. They said we are. And you know what? Baptize them as one. Just the love of God. It was that supernatural love of God. And you know what separates us? It's the love of the world. It's the love of the world. It's the love of self, the love of the world, and the love of pleasure separates us. You know what can bring us together? It's the love of God. And God says, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. You see Peter preaching. You see 3,000 getting saved. But what you miss is how they lived. You miss how they lived. They were strangers. Many of them, I believe, were from other countries. But they didn't want to go. Because the word was available nowhere except in Jerusalem. Nowhere. The word was available only in Jerusalem. In the entire world, 120 people, and among them the apostles knew the word. Nobody else knew. So they said, we have to stay here. But where do we stay? And among the 3,000, those who were residents of Jerusalem opened up their homes and said, stay with us. Then they realized day to day, day to day, it's getting too much. The rich among them said, 
We need to take care of them. So they sold their houses. They sold their lands. They brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And they said, take care of them. God says, that's what my son died for. It was worth it, son. Father and son sitting at the throne, tapping each other's backs. Sabash. It worked. Our plan before the foundation of the world was laid was this. It worked. There are they starting. The bride is coming home. Amen. Let's pray. And let's pray for our brethren. Please, before I close, go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, if I'm right. 13 and verse 3. Verse 3. 13, 3. Please always remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. It's, it's not talking about the world. For the world, you have to pray, Lord, let them be saved. You have to talk about our own brethren. Our own people who are saved. Our own people who are going through real, real trouble in so many parts of the world. Let's forget about the rest of the world. Think about GTC alone. So many, even in New York and other cities, they are facing trouble right now. Okay? And God says, we are free. There's no tires being burned, no bullets being shot outside our office, nothing. But our people are facing it there. And they know them. They're calling them out by name from outside because they know they are believers. That's what I got. Calling them out by name. And God says, remember them. Remember them. Our prayer life has to change completely. Don't pray for our... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. What does it mean? When you actually grow in the Lord, your prayer life changes completely. You start praying for them. And God says, I'll take care of your needs. You don't worry about it. You have understood my heart. Because that's exactly what any one of us would do. If Dr. Richard is sitting over there, if his mother is ill tomorrow, he will forget everything and he'll be sitting beside her in the hospital, right? That's what we do, do, right? Because suddenly everything is gone. Everything is gone out of the window. All your priorities have changed. Why? Because you realize somebody whom you love is in trouble and needs your help. And that's exactly the Bible is saying. Those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. This is the burden the Holy Spirit puts in our spirit. That's what Romans 8 talks about. The Spirit will pray through us with groans that cannot be uttered. And you are really praying for the body of Christ. Everywhere. Everywhere. And He will do it. And to that end, surrender yourself. That is your act of worship. That's your act of love. And God will start moving and comforting them, protecting them, because He says, you are being one body. You are free, they are not. But the free part of the body and the bound body have come together in Christ, in love. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you, Lord, this morning. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Yes, Father. We were like Gomer or maybe even worse than Gomer, Lord. We had sold ourselves to the world. Yet you have You bought us off the block, Lord. And you've been faithful to us all these days and years. You have never stopped loving us. You have never stopped caring for us. You have never stopped taking care of us, Lord. You have always been faithful. And it's your faithful love that kept us all these years, Lord. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Therefore, Father, we just surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. Our prayer as a church worldwide is this. Baptize you with our spirit. Fill us 
overflowing. Fill us with your love, Lord. Even now, Lord, fill us. That we truly love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And we love our brother as ourselves, Lord. I commit GTC worldwide into their hands, O oh Lord. There are so many who are facing trouble even now. But we know, Lord, you are protecting them. We know, Lord, your hand is over them, Lord. I pray for President Trump, Lord. I pray you will give him wisdom and discernment to take the right decision, O oh Lord, at an hour like this, Lord. For a time and a season like this, you put him over there. He needs wisdom, absolute wisdom and discernment to take the right decisions, Lord. Every power of darkness that is ranged against him and his, your people, we come against that in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind the powers of violence, the powers of darkness, the powers of hatred and racial division. All this is caused by the devil, Lord. In your body, there is no division, O oh Lord. I pray the light will break through in the body of Christ in America, Lord, that they will see no division. There's no black and white. There's no Greek or Jew, male, female. They will be one in Christ Jesus, O Lord. That they will understand the devices of the enemy, that the enemy is trying to divide them, O Lord. The eyes would be opened. And the Holy Spirit, I pray that you will unite them, O God, as one. The body of Christ will arise in times like this around the world as one body in Christ Jesus, O Lord. Only the Holy Spirit can do that, O Lord. That all our prejudices would be shown and we'll put it away, Lord. All those things that divide us will be shown and we will put it away by your power of your spirit, O Lord. And you will make us one, Lord. And you said, O Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your Holy Spirit. This mountain will be moved, O Lord. And this is the greatest mountain the church has faced, O Lord. The mountain of division, O Lord. I pray you will remove it and make us one in your spirit, O Lord. Send your ministering angels, Lord. Protect your people. Cover your people. Keep your people, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I speak healing into every body once again that is sick. I command and I speak the spirit of infirmity to live. I speak healing. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Put a hedge around them, Lord. Protect them. Preserve them. Keep them, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I pray you will fill us continuously through this 13th year, O Lord, that we will be a people walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.